good to be good to be back good to be back in the house of the lord and uh, uh, with you all this morning go ahead and turn to proverbs chapter 9 we're going to continue in our series in proverbs this morning proverbs chapter 9 now before jesus ascended to the right hand of the father he gave his church our marching orders, didn't he? He said, go all into all the world and proclaim the good news. Actually, the Greek uh, tense of the verb is kind of important there. Uh, it literally says, as you're going, right? As you're going, or one way we can look at that is, as you go about life in this world, share the good news. Share about the love of Jesus. Share the gospel with other people. Right now, I think personally that Christmas is one of our greatest opportunities to make inroads in the lives of our friends and, and co-workers and people that we meet. You know, this is a time of year where you can just start a spontaneous spiritual conversation, right? Or, or especially uh, invite someone to church where you know that they're going to hear the message of the love of Jesus for them. I mean, this is, this is half of C&E, you know what I mean? Christmas and Easter, the time that people, if, if they never go any time else, they come to church on Christmas, right? So great, great opportunities that we have to uh, share our faith during this time of the year. But there can be things that you and I can do that hinder us in the Great Commission. That causes us, if you will, to shoot ourselves in the feet as far as evangelism is concerned and shut the doors to those friends and neighbors and others. And I want to entitle the message this morning, Shooting Ourselves in the Feet. Something that we don't want to do, right? Shooting ourselves in the feet. If you do an online search for uh, resources in Christian leadership, you're going to see the name Carrie Newhoff come up. He's one of the uh, up-and-coming uh, leadership gurus out there. He's an international speaker, author, and a podcaster in the area of leadership, especially Christian leadership. And he has one uh, web article entitled, Three Things Christians Do That Non-Christians Despise. How's that for a name of an article? You know what the top item on that list is? Judging judging. He writes this, it doesn't take long for non-Christians to tell you how much they hate the way Christians judge other people. Another two minutes on social media will reveal that Christians and preachers condemning unchurched people for their sexual habits and preferences, lifestyle choices, and even political views. He writes, I doubt this is what Jesus had in mind when he gave his life in love for the world. Right? Probably not what he had in mind when he said, go and share good news. Go and share good news. Newhoff goes on to give this disclosure. He says, you know, uh, without the mercy and intervention of Christ, I am very judgmental. And years ago, I realized how devastating judgment and criticism can be to others. So I'm waging a lifelong battle against it, confessing it, repenting of it almost daily. Uh, it's, it's amazing when you uh, 
uh, kind of get wind of this and the Lord puts it on your heart. Just how many times I've caught myself at this, you know, somebody walks by and you just immediately judge them by the way that they look or whatever. And it's like, God, I did it again, didn't I? Sorry. Help me to see people the way you do. Right? Imagine if he would have seen me <laughs> and decided, nah, he's not worth dying for. Right? Very easy for him to have done that. So if our goal is to win people to Christ, and you and I need to make sure that what we're portraying in our lives as someone who loves others, not judges them. Why do we judge anyway? Why do we judge? You ever think about that? But when, when we come to Christ and our eyes are opened, right, the, the Holy Spirit reveals to our hearts things that, that we, we didn't realize before. You know, we, we were just, in my life especially, you know, going my own way. I could do this and I could do that. Never thought anything of it. Then I came to Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in my heart and it's all of a sudden I realize I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't be talking like that, right? That's, that's, that's offensive to God. That's, that, that's hurting me, right? It's dishonoring to the Lord. It's dishonoring to people around me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? A lot of things that I was comfortable doing. All of a sudden, I wasn't comfortable doing them anymore. And we, and we become so aware of these things that we easily spot them in other people, right? And now that we know they're wrong, now we want to tell everybody else that they're wrong. Right? Yeah. In giving us wisdom, the book of Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 7 says this, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Let's stop there. Right? Don't reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. First, I think we need to define a scoffer. Cambridge Dictionary offers this. Someone who laughs and speaks about a person or an idea in a way that shows that they think that person or idea is stupid or silly. Dictionary.com adds that this often can revolve around moral or religious values. I think it's safe to say that very few people in the culture around us have never heard of Jesus Christ, right? They've heard of him, right? They, they, Christmas time, right? Everybody's heard about Jesus at Christmas. But uh, if, if they're not a believer or a follower of Jesus, then chances are they've considered it in their mind and heart Right? Do I need to follow him? Do I need to follow the Bible? Do I need to follow Christianity? And for whatever reason, they have decided against it. Right? So they think that this idea, maybe not silly or stupid, to some it would be, but just not for them. Right? They've, they've molded around, this is not for me. Right? They've dismissed in their, eye, uh, in, in their heads, in their hearts, that they need a relationship with God that's made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So at some level, you could say they scoff at the gospel, 
I don't need that, right? I, I, I don't need that. And so their lives are built on another set of beliefs. I know mine was, right? Including their moral values that they have gained through the years, through experience, whatever. This is what I believe is right or wrong, which Newhoff alluded to uh, may include behaviors, lifestyles, political views, etc., that do not line up with a traditional Christian biblical worldview that you and I may hold. And so believing that that biblical worldview is correct and God-honoring, you and I might be tempted to correct that scoffer, right? Reprove them even in their actions. And what does the Bible say here in Proverbs chapter 9 is going to be the result? Abuse, injury, even hatred. Not quite the same as winning friends and influencing people, is it? Let me ask you this question this morning. Um, you, you especially who did not grow up in the church. In your days before Christ, if someone morally challenged what you were doing that you felt was fine, what was your response to that? Right? Gee, thanks for telling me. I'm going to quit that right now. <laughs> right? That's what you said, right? Go away. Leave me alone. That's what you said. Right? One of the things that set Jesus apart from the religious people of his day was that he ate and drank with sinners. Blew their minds. How dare you hang out with those kinds of people? Right? How dare you? They invited him to their houses, to their gatherings. They liked him. Why? Because he was always going around saying, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, you shouldn't do that. Right? Those are just the kinds of people you want at your parties. No, it's not. Those are the people that you distance yourself from. And is that our calling? To have people push us away? Don't think so. Don't think so. Jesus had a reputation, not as someone who judged others, but as someone who first and foremost loved and helped people and was okay hanging out with people that the religious people, right? He valued individuals. He loved individuals. He understood that, that they were caught in all kinds of different lifestyles and different things. He understood that. But he still loved and valued them, and they knew it. They knew it. Beyond everything else, if, if I had a nickel for every time I've heard this phrase, church, well, they know where I stand. Do you know what that says? They know where I stand. Turns people off. What they should know is that we love them, that we care for them, that we value them. That's what they should know before they know anything else about our beliefs because those are the things that make our beliefs 
something worth considering. Amen? Once in those circles, Jesus then was able to speak into people's lives. You know, you, you, you earn the right to be heard. You know that? You earn the right to be heard. No, you don't earn the right to speak. Anybody can just speak. We can just, you know, say whatever we want. But to be listened to, to be taken you know, where someone would actually consider what we have to say about something, we've got to earn that right with people by proving that we care. How, how many have heard that phrase? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Boom, right? Mic drop. Jesus was then able to teach people how to have a better quality of life. Right? Not by condemning them in their sin, but by leading them toward the Father. By leading them toward a belief in Himself. That which would eventually change them from the inside out. Not change the behavior to be good enough for God. Right? Come to God just as you are without one plea. Let God do the rest. Or somebody wisely said years ago, you know, we're, we're, we're God's fisher, you know, we're fishers of men. We catch them, God cleans them. Right? Jesus creatively got people to think about life through parables, not by ranting. You know, when we go on rants on social media or otherwise, we may get a lot of amens from the choir. You know what I'm saying? From people who think exactly the way, the way we do. But what about our non-churched friends or friends of friends that may see that post, that may hear what we say? How is it affecting them? I want to put out this challenge this morning. Before you and I open this thing, right? before we put a post that points out the wrong that somebody else is doing in the world, um, let's ask ourselves this question. If I was an unbeliever, how would this affect me? Would this draw me toward this person and what they have to say? Or does it immediately cause me to label them as a hater and dismiss them and everybody like them? What is our goal? What is our marching orders? What did Jesus put us here to do? to build relationship, to love, to serve, to share the good news. Not to let everybody know where we stand. Right? We have to remember that our posts or our words or our actions in public not only represent us personally, but if people know that we are part of that Baptist church up the street, then when that, that you know, uh, critical spirit is out there, I know what that church believes. Right? And even more important than that, who 
are we representing? More than just a church. We're representing Jesus Christ. And when we hammer somebody or what they're doing or this, okay, I know who that Savior is. I know. Right? What are we doing? Are we making Jesus attractive to them? No, Jesus never said, you're, I, I just love the fact that you're sinning. He never did that. Right? He never condoned, he never approved of things that he knew were ultimately harmful to people. Remember, we talked about sin. What is sin? Why does God hate sin? Because it ultimately hurts people, right? Jesus never would condone that. But he didn't put his you know, bony finger out at everybody. We may not carry a sign that says God doesn't like you. There's a couple of churches out there that do. But we can sure create that impression, can't we? And it's a lot easier to do than you and I might think. A lot easier. Just just a look. Just a look that I've, you know... Caught myself, you know, somebody walks by and, and I, you know, I'm not going to describe whatever it is that caused me to judge them when they walk in the room. But just that shaking of the head. Right? Wow. You know, just, just a look can tell people, I don't like you, God doesn't like you. The damage that that can do, right? Not leading someone towards Jesus, but pushing them away, maybe forever. Just by a look. It says, I wouldn't go near you with a 10-foot pole. And I'm, and I'm a Jesus person, so guess what Jesus thinks of you, right? Someone might say, well, I use social media to spread awareness and to help educate people, right? Can I say there's a vast difference between humbly pointing someone towards a scholarly article worth, worth considering and a meme that destroys the character of people, slanders them, pokes fun at them, right? Again, what is the goal? What are we here for? What's it all about? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, Paul says this, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? I mean, he's just, boom, right there. We are not called to levy judgment. We are called to share the good news of the gospel. Building a reputation as those who love care and value people, people who are broken, people who are sinners. I mean, my goodness, where did we come from? <laughs> were we born on another planet? Were we, were we born without sin? Did we not all need the grace and love of Jesus Christ? Did we not all find Him Awesome because He loved us despite of ourselves? That's the good news. Right? Somewhere we were made aware of, yes, 
I might be a sinner, but Jesus wants me just the way I am. His arms are wide open. And last I checked, we were called Christians, little Christs. Are our arms wide open to everybody? If not, we better check to see who we're following, Jesus or us. Now let's look at the other side of this message in Proverbs, beginning in the middle of verse 8. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Now, at a glance here, it, it looks like this is telling us how we can determine a wise person from a scoffer. If we correct them and they're a, a wise person, they're going to receive it. If they're a scoffer, they're going to get mad at us. So what I'll do is I'll just continue to correct people, and then I can find out who's wise and who's a scoffer. Is that what this is saying? No. No. What, what this is creatively doing is turning it inward and saying, who do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? Am I someone that can receive correction? Am I someone who is open and honest and can carry on a dialogue with somebody? Or is it, I believe what I believe, and if I, if I don't like what you're saying, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. Right? We might not be scoffers when it comes to God. We believe the Bible. We believe Jesus, right? We're, we, 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 we love the, the gospel. But boy, we can act like scoffers. You're right, Paul. We're going to whoop in good time today. <laughs> we can act like scoffers. What, what, what I mean is that rather than dialogue with people, rather than hear what people say, rather than treating people with respect, we pull that, we know the truth, this is what the Bible teaches, and you're just wrong. Right? I have heard Christians, and I have seen social media posts um, where people are just downright nasty. They get in these arguments with people, and they're just nasty, and I cringe. I say, they, they go to church. They may go to this church. They represent Jesus Christ, and they are just whammo, Right? And everybody else, the friends of this person who see that post, says that's another one of those haters. I don't want nothing to do with those people. Right? I've seen it. I've read these things. Cringe inside. Or come across that if you don't believe like I do, religiously or politically or whatever, you're an idiot. How many times have you heard people like that or seen those posts? You don't believe this, you're an idiot. Is, is, is that drawing people to Jesus? No. We are 
just shooting ourselves in the feet. Not only are we ruining any chance that we have to lead someone to the, to the grace of Jesus Christ, but we're probably destroying that chance for anybody else who's maybe been working on this person, praying for this person for months, years, right? Have an opportunity, and maybe they're this close, and then we have taken that door and just shut it. Nothing to do with you people. So, what are we here? What are we hearing here? First of all, don't don't try to correct a scoffer. And second of all, don't act like one. Don't act like one, right? Be a wise person. This is what a wise person is like. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. A wise person is someone that knows they haven't arrived. Number number two on, on, on the list of things that people don't like, hypocritical people. Act like we've arrived, right? Spiritually. Or we're better than, you know, someone else. A wise person is someone who knows they haven't arrived. Who's not a know-it-all. And I'm not saying that we cannot be absolutely confident and committed to the Word of God as truth, right? But we can admit there's things that we personally don't know. Questions that we have. Right? Right? We can admit, uh-oh, here, 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 comes the, here, here comes the tomatoes now. We can admit that maybe there might be some good ideas or questions outside of our camp, outside of our political view, right? There might be some good questions that we need to ask ourselves, how can we improve or there might be a good idea that doesn't fit the mold. We don't know it all. And I'm not saying um, against the Scriptures. I'm talking about, you know, um, get, get into things like politics, get into things like um, um, Supply and demand, and, and uh, what would we call that whole concept? There, there, there's some problems. It's, it's, it's a great system, but there are some problems. There's some issues with greed and different things, right? We, we, all, we all say that our, our system is, is the best, and then we all complain about big pharma and, you know, uh, that R&D costs make things a, a hundred thousand dollars well it's it's supply and demand it's the best system and but there's problems right we, we, we need to be able to dialogue with people and admit where we personally are wrong admit that there are you know value things that other people bring to the table not you don't fit in my camp you know If we want other people to seriously consider what we have to say, we need to show them the same respect. Even when we don't agree, 
right? Not pick up our ball and go home every time our view is challenged. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a good question. Or I don't know the answer to that question. Or you bring up a good point. In our personal lives, we need to likewise show that we're open to constructive criticism. I had a hard time with this as a pastor in the early days. I did. I'm supposed to be the example. I'm supposed to be the one with the answers. And someone would say, well, what about this? And I just, I got all kinds of defensive and insecure. Now I only do it about 85% of the time. Um, <laughs> We, we, we need to be that kind of person. Admit when we're wrong. Right? Be teachable. Someone who is willing to hear what someone else has to say. To, 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 to know if people know us as someone who is... Um, more concerned with building rapport with people than with being right all the time. Someone who's humble. That is the kind of people that other people are willing to sit down and have a conversation with and not dismiss summarily. Right? Someone who sincerely wants the best for themselves and others. I've, I've told you in the past about my friend Mike McKeon, who could tell me anything, right? He could tell me anything because, number one, we had a relationship. He didn't just blow in and I don't know him from anybody and he's going to correct me. No, we had a relationship. And number two, um, that relationship was 98% very encouraging, very uplifting. I knew he valued me as a person. I knew he loved me. Um, and, and because I, I worked with him, he could, he could correct me professionally. And because we had that kind of relationship, he could correct me personally. Ron, what you said there, you know, was offensive or could have been offensive or your attitude needs an adjustment, right? But I knew he wanted the best for me. I knew that he cared about me and therefore he could speak into my life like that. Also, I had a great respect for him and his character, that he was a guy who knew he wasn't perfect. And therefore, I was more willing to listen to him. Right? People are not willing to listen to people who got it all figured out. So, let me bring this down. First of all, God has not called us. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and be the moral police. He never said that, right? That's not our calling. Because people have not had a change of heart by the Holy Spirit like we have. Right? If we didn't, we'd still be there. How can we expect other people to think like us because they have not had the change on the inside of their heart, right? 
We have no right to expect that of other people. Our job is to love and to serve and to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Lead them to the one who changes them from the inside. So don't correct a scoffer. Don't act like a scoffer. And number three, be wise. In other words, be known as that. This is, we, we, let me say it this way. We need to not um, tell people what we know. Or ex our, our job is not to express what we know and what we believe, right? This is the way I take life. Our job is to build a reputation in this world. Say, how are my words, how are my actions, how are my posts, what kind of reputation am I building? I know where they stand, <laughs> right? Or are we building a reputation as someone who's approachable, someone who values other people, someone who loves and cares and serves, someone who is worth listening to? Someone who can dialogue and is not going to nail you and just, you know, pounce on you. What kind of reputation are we building? We need to do, before we open our mouths and be able to express things, we need to focus on that reputation. How are we seen by other people? Right? Personally, how do we make our church seem to other people. And most importantly, how are we portraying our Savior to other people? Let's let Him, the, the, the same one who ate and drank with the unlikelies, let's let Him live in and through us. Especially here at Christmas time. But for us, it's all year, right? Let's let, let that good news, that, that love, God and sinners reconciled, peace on earth, let that be our mantra day in and day out. And let's get about the business of winning people to Jesus while we still have time. I don't know how much more of this God's going to take, right? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you that you came to us with a message of love, a message of open arms. May we be open-armed people for Jesus. Help us to build those reputations, Lord, so that we can bring people to you. To you, Lord. You're the life changer. Thank you for that privilege. Let's make it a pleasure out there, Lord. Yes, we know there are still people that aren't going to want to hear and etc., etc., but may they walk away knowing that they're loved and valued, regardless. Thank you, Lord.
And as we're in prayer this morning, you might be here. You might be online listening. You said, you know, I'm, I think I might still be in that other camp. I've never really opened my heart and life to Jesus Christ, made him my Savior, traded my sin for his forgiveness and his love. That's you. I invite you this morning. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open that door, I will come in. He took your sin, my sin, upon himself, died in our place on that cross so that all those things could be paid for. Paid in full. Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. Paid in full. He did it all so that we could be washed clean. We could be reconciled to God. We could start a relationship that ends in heaven one day. That's your hope. That's your desire this morning. I invite you to just say, Jesus, that's me. Come into my heart and life. I, give, I, I come just as I am into your open arms. Save me. Be my Lord. Send me out into the world with a message of love and good news. And I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if that was you here or online, please get a hold of me. Love to answer some more questions. Put a Bible in your hands and uh, welcome you to the greatest life on the face of the earth, uh, a life worth, worth hearing about. Amen.